Welcome to Tee Up Logistics Insights, presented by iDrive Logistics and ShipCaddy. Our hosts take a deep dive into logistics, supply chain, and small parcel shipping with special emphasis on the landscape of the e-commerce industry and behind the scenes of the warehouses supporting the backbone of American business. COVID's really kind of thrown a monkey wrench in the supply chain. I think everybody out there sees it as a consumer, right? I know I do. I'm still waiting on stuff. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm sick of it. Oh, yeah. And the expense associated. Well, now that it's uh, really raised its head, and, and frankly, I don't know what you think, Jake, but I think COVID has catapulted e-commerce forward an easy decade. For sure. Right? For sure. I don't see it going away. Yeah. I think it's really exposed some things that companies need to pay attention to. And uh, I think what we want to do today is just kind of have a chat about what a lot of those things should be considered, you know, or some of the things out there. We'll do our best to keep this interesting for you. So, Jake, you manage, you, you deal with a ton of clients. What was Q4 last year like for most of the clients you worked with? Oh, Q4 is brutal. Absolutely brutal. There were uh, major issues, you know, capacity issues with, with the carriers. They were putting uh, allotments to small shippers, telling them they could only pick up, you know, 50 packages a day or 100 packages a day, right at the, the busiest season for most of our clients. Could you imagine being a VP of supply chain and having to report to the board after Q4 and explain to the board why your company couldn't meet their business goals because carriers capped your capacity? No, not at all. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. On top of capacity constraints, what other things did you see in Q4? We saw, um, well, we saw cost increasing. People were, you know, they, they had peak season surcharges that were thrown on. We saw the carriers. I mean, we had capacity issues with pickups. We also saw on-time percentage dip to some of the lowest times ever. When you say on-time percentage, you mean as far as carrier performance delivery, right? Correct. That, that final mile. And, and Glenn, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw some of the statistics. Some of the carriers don't report their on-time percentage, right? Mm-hmm. But there were reports coming out with the USPS that there were weeks where the USPS had a, a final mile on-time percentage of 35%. Does that I, make sense? It does, and I believe it. Yeah. So... We kind of had a perfect storm, didn't we? We did. Capacity constraints, increased expenses. It was a massive imbalance of supply and demand. So if we were to take Q4 of 2020, knowing that e-commerce isn't going away, what do we anticipate? You know, What would a person listening to this in a VP of supply chain role or a COO listening to this, what would the takeaways be? I think we're going to see a lot of the same things happen, but I think we're going to see the shippers that are more prepared are going to do a lot better off. Completely agree. Completely agree. It's going to be any cheaper this year than last year? Definitely not. And what are your thoughts on it? I agree. You know, when, when I think about planning and building a, a resilient supply chain, particularly from a final mile perspective, it's around contingencies, what I think of. Absolutely. Contingencies have to be number one on the list. And then beyond that, I think some natural uh, benefits of contingencies are you're going to have a more reliable or more improved customer experience. Mm -hmm. You're going to be less impacted by capacity constraints. Mm -hmm. 
and it should give you some uh, some options better than most others out in the marketplace to mitigate some of the cost increases you push through, right? Mm-hmm. But number one has to be contingencies. Well, let's talk about contingencies for a second. So when I think of contingencies for shippers, I think about, number one, your your carrier choice, right? I I agree. How many carriers are you utilizing? And uh, I think what we've seen this year so far, maybe you've seen something different, but we've seen more and more companies move to using two or more carriers than previously because of what happened with COVID. But we've seen some that haven't. You're right. Well... It sounds good to talk about, right? Or the devil's in the details. We all know there's, there's two national small parcel carriers in the U.S. market. We know who they are, UPS and FedEx. FedEx and UPS, there's no we're agnostic in this conversation. Both do a great job, great companies. You know, So if you look at a, a FedEx pricing agreement, it's called earned discounts. If you look at a UPS pricing agreement, they're called portfolio tier incentives. They're by and large the same thing, just a different approach to it. But in essence, if you're a shipper and you have a $10 million small parcel spend, UPS and or FedEx, they're going to come in and they're going to want to lock you down for that $10 million spend. Yeah. How do you do a source in that environment? It's tough. That's right. So, you know, if, if suddenly you say, I need more capacity, I can't be hamstrung by a FedEx or UPS capping my capacity at the, the biggest time, the make or break time period for me from a business perspective. You know, um, can you just afford to strip 30% of your business away? Or do you upend the financial aspect of your supply chain by doing so? Well, I think a lot of it depends on how you go about it, right? Completely agree. Completely agree. But I mean, how, how willing is, uh, you know, if, if FedEx is your incumbent and you come to them and say, hey, you know what? I want the same discounts, but I only want to give you 70% of the business. How's FedEx going to respond to that? Not positively. No, it's a ch- tough one, right? Right. So... This dual sourcing or even multi-sourcing makes a ton of sense, but it has to be well contemplated. You have to have a very deliberate choreographed strategy to the marketplace and you have to be willing to embrace change. Okay. So, okay. So I'm glad you said that because I was worried you're going to say it can't be done. Oh, I would never say it can't be done. Come on, okay. talking to Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Now, it's not for the faint of heart though, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to sign two well-constructed agreements with two different carriers and mitigate that. But now it's another to execute too. Operationally, how do you execute on that? From a technology perspective, how do you execute upon that? Do you have a different strategy based off of where your DCs are located? How do you potentially manage that at the shopping cart level and the buying experience? So it involves all different aspects of a company from operations to sales and marketing right? To supply chain. It involves all those things and you have to consider all those things ahead of time. So when we talk about a well choreographed approach, it's not just about being savvy within the small parcel market, but it's how do you, how do you effectively set your company up for success to truly execute on a dual sourcing or a multi-sourcing strategy? It's not a flip of the switch, right? Yeah. So, so to your point, it's not just pulling one lever, it's pulling 15 levers. Absolutely. Right. And each one has its own set of challenges and risks, right? So you talk, okay, let's, let's go back to this real quick. Cause I've got a question. So you talked about contingency, right? Yeah. We talked about contingency with the carrier contracts. Yeah. What about contingency around where, where you're allocating your inventories? inventories? Absolutely. So, you know, I mentioned earlier, what if you're in a municipality that shuts down, 
What if you're in a municipality that doesn't align efficiently with the carrier of your choosing and they place massive capacity constraints on you? Yeah. How would you know that though? How would you know if you're going to have these capacity constraints? That's a great question. You, you have to be having, you have to be forcing your carriers to be proactive partners with you. You have to force them to sit at the table and plan with you on what your execution strategy is. Okay. And frankly, Jake, you know, when you talk about contingencies, if you're a single site DC, there's some benefit to that, but boy, there's some real downsides to it as well, right? So when we think contingencies in an ideal circumstance, you're at the very least looking at a bi-coastal strategy. Now, contingent on what you're marketing, what you want your buying experience to be, you might have a need for a more regionalized approach to that. Maybe you need a 3DC footprint. Maybe four or five is more supportive of you. But you have to back into what you want your buying experience to be, the customer experience to be. Great point. Right? Heck, if you're, if you're selling uh, smartphone cases, three to five days for a delivery might be acceptable. If you're selling a, a high-end, handmade, luxury briefcase, is three to five days acceptable? Probably not. Might be, but probably not. So it's about knowing your customer base okay. and what's going on and, and, uh, and where are you marketing? You know, let's face it. Everybody has to have an eye on the Amazon Prime model, right? What do they lead the market with? This perception of free shipping and a day definite delivery. Typically two days, sometimes next day, sometimes right. same day. Right. Right. Now, I'm not here to advocate to say that, that same day delivery is needed for everything. I think the market needs to rationalize that a little bit, but you need to contemplate what are you striving for? What business rules do you want to build out? And then can you construct a supply chain that is resilient, that has contingencies to support that? Great point. So, okay. So let, before I, cause I want to ask you a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about the, the customer experience, right? The buying experience, but something came to my mind. So do you remember last year, the carriers came out in October, I think it was October, and they said, hey, we encourage our, our customers to uh, start your, your Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales early this year. I remember that. Okay. So, I mean, let's talk about that for a second. So, from my experience, what I saw was that the companies that started the sales earlier had an easier peak season than those that didn't. But there's a lot of logistics around coming out with a sale earlier, doing things Do you like even that. have the product available? Exactly. I mean, think about like, this year. Yeah. Look, look, look right now. There's a massive product shortage. I can't tell you how many personal buying experience I'm having where I'm, I'm being actively marketed to discounted to go make a purchase, get my credit card, charge me the money and then find out I'm not getting the product for six weeks. Right. So easy to say, easy to advocate, easy to say, Hey, let's, let's promote a cyber deal promotion earlier. Let's, Let's, let's get ahead of this peak season crunch, but you have to have the inventory in place. So let's say you do have the inventory. Would, Fair enough. Would you we'll say wave that, the magic wand. Cool. Wave the magic wand. You have the inventory. Would you say that that's a contingency? Absolutely. Okay. But it, it involves sales and marketing. Right. Right. So all of the contingencies we talked about do not just apply to a, a, a pure carrier contract. hundred percent. a lot of things that go on. hundred percent. If, if, if you as a supply chain professional are trying to build out contingencies in a vacuum, you're destined for failure. Okay. 
you have to you have to go horizontally across the organization and you have to ensure the entire organization strategically is aligned towards these contingencies makes sense yeah okay so are, do you feel like we need to cover anything else on peak season or anything else come to mind well yeah i think uh, i think another thing to to consider you know we've talked a lot about the two major national carriers, UPS and FedEx, both excellent carriers, but they're not the only show in town, right? And we talk about contingencies. Man, there's some other real viable options out there. The USPS can play a valuable role and a niche role. They are not a silver bullet. They have their, their problems. They have their warts. You have to be careful of that. You have postal consolidators who can do a lot to mitigate some of the difficulties the post office is having with origin pickup volume and have them do a majority of the, the pickup and sortation and induction work to mitigate the opportunity for the USPS to kind of trip on it. Uh, my goodness, we have the whole topic of regional carriers, right? So, Jake, yeah. if we talk about setting up distribution centers from a uh, contingency standpoint, let's say that we've, we've arrived at the conclusion that um, the best decision for this client is a bi-coastal scenario, right? So, we've decided hey, it'd be a real good idea to have a distribution center in Salt Lake City and another one somewhere in Kentucky. We know that we could hit every, in what, 92%, I think, yeah. of U.S. contiguous addresses in two days on a ground service. So that's good to know. In that location, is there an opportunity to further the multi-sourcing strategy? Are there regional carriers that could do a nice job? and build out additional capacity for you. There's a number of regional carriers and final mile delivery couriers out there. And I think if you're not contemplating them as part of your strategy, as they align to your distribution centers, then I think you're, you're approaching a little short-sighted. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so final question on peak season. Peak season. Time and transit's a really big deal. And I know you talked about that a little bit. Do you think time and transit is going to be better this year? And do you think the carriers are better prepared this year than they were last year? Great question. And I think it's a valuable question. In short, I believe both the carriers will be better prepared. And I believe you're going to see, you know, barring unknowns, other black swan events that happen, um, I believe you're going to see an incrementally better carrier performance. I don't want to create any misperceptions, though. I don't believe it's going to be utopia far from it. Okay. You know, another takeaway, and it's for the sales and marketing folks to think about. I think we have a fairly sympathetic, or at the very least, apathetic consumer base now. We're now sitting on, what, 15 months of this pandemic? Right. 330 plus million Americans having to buy online. I know from my own personal experience, Jake, I'm not that hung up on having the pro what I've ordered tomorrow or the next day. But boy, I sure would like to know when I'm going to get it. And it sure would be novel if it showed up when they said it would. Right. right? Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. So if I, if I were to take those personal experiences and kind of my experiences with all the clients that we support, I would think that the emphasis needs to be on reliability. Maybe not so much an expedited focus, but a reliability focus, Jake. Okay, that and, makes sense. And so if I were going into peak season, if I could feel assured that I could meet 95 plus percent of my buyer's 
delivery expectations within, let's say, five business days, and they knew it and they had visibility to it, I would consider that a massive win.